Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First, you'll be hearing from the former Atlanta fire chief who lost his job because of a book he wrote providing a biblical viewpoint of masculinity. But God has continued to walk with Kelvin Cochran through his entire ordeal. Coming up, you'll hear about his strength to stand. Then it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo at the St. Charles Convention Center outside of St. Louis. Michelle Medlock-Adams joined me to provide some insight on writing for children and to preview some upcoming releases. You'll be hearing from that conversation. And on this edition of The Intersection, at the Fall 2021 CPE Show, I sat down with illustrator Dave O'Connell, who desires to use his art to tell stories that glorify God, along with writer Dara Letter, who collaborated with him to further enhance the images in a coloring book for a variety of ages. Learn more ahead. Finally, it's no secret that marriages and families are facing significant challenges in our culture. J.P. DeGans of Communio and John Van Epp of Love Thinks have worked together to identify the implications for the church and the culture and how the church can work to restore families. You'll find out more coming up. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Kelvin Cochran is Senior Fellow and Vice President of Alliance Defending Freedom. He was once the fire chief of Atlanta until he was terminated for writing a book on Christian masculinity. But through a difficult period in his life, God sustained him, and he recounts the Lord's faithfulness through his book, Facing the Fire, the faith that brought America's fire chief through the flames of persecution. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is Kelvin Cochran. I was so naive that after the investigation, I would be returned to my position and vindicated uh, that that I didn't even think that I would need a lawyer. Well, a week before my uh, re- supposedly the end of my suspension, I heard from an allied attorney from Alliance Defending Freedom and said, hey, we honor your confidence that you'll be restored. But just in case, would you meet with uh, the attorneys from Alliance Defending Freedom? And that's when I was introduced. And they went through the process of what, uh, if my plan didn't work, if my um, if I was not restored, what it would look like to move forward. And then I said, okay, guys. And I realized they were a Christian uh, law firm. I never knew that there was such, thing, <laughs> uh, such a thing, Bob. But when I asked them, okay, guys, how much is all this going to cost? And they said, absolutely nothing. We have supporters and ministry friends that are going to lead us through this quality, this, the entire journey pro bono. And, um, so it's just a gift from God to discover Alliance Defending Freedom and to take them on, uh, for them to take me on as a client. And they nurtured not just me, Bob, but my entire family as a ministry through that four-year legal journey that, by the grace of God, ended with vindication. And tell me about the vindication. Like you said, it's a four-year journey, uh, a legal battle, but not only was there the, the legal aspect, but there was also your reputation that was being challenged. How did things finally end up, in case people haven't heard? Well, the judge ruled that uh, the policy that the city of Atlanta used to terminate me was unconstitutional that I did not have to get permission to write a book, 
about my faith, and uh, we won on that constitutional basis. And um, but it took four years to, to do it, and um, even when the decision was made, uh, the city of Atlanta was slow to um, a settlement. So it took another year uh, to get to a place where the case was fully uh, closed and um, and adjudicated. How did you deal with having this misrepresentation, mischaracterization taking place, and really the attempt to severely damage your reputation? How did how did you deal with all of that? That was very very difficult. It's it's very rare in the life of a fire service professional to achieve the things that I achieved and to have the opportunities that I had. But um, what helps us, especially those of us who are sons and daughters of God, Bob, is to recognize that when God takes us up to, uh, well, as as the Bible says, enlarges our territory, uh, he makes our name great, but not for our name's sake. He makes our name great for his name's sake. And at the end of the day, it's not our reputation on the line. It's God's reputation on the line. When Jesus uh, confronted uh, Saul at the, on, the, on the road to Damascus, he said, why are you persecuting me? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus takes it ber- very personal when one of his uh, sons, uh, well, God takes it very personal when one of his sons or daughters are attacked and persecuted. And uh, his reputation was on the line and not my reputation. So when I turned it over to God and just trusted God to protect his reputation, then I believe that's really what cleared the path for my reputation to be vindicated. I lost a lot of relationships in the fire service. It really, really hurts to this very day Mm. because of my stance on biblical marriage and biblical sexuality. But Jesus made a promise that whatever you lose for my sake, I'll restore it 100-fold. And I can tell you, Bob, that the relationships that I lost in the American Fire Service have really been restored 100-fold. I have relationships now that I would have never had, Bob, that are a lot more kingdom-driven and uh, uh, meaningful than those relationships that I lost in the fire service. I still love those brothers and sisters uh, who kicked me to the curb, so to speak, because they discovered what I believed about marriage and sexuality. But God has given me relationships that are far beyond those that I ever uh, had in the ones that I've lost. Kelvin Cochran here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to kelvincochran.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, from the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo, Michelle Medlock-Adams shared insight on writing for children and previewed two releases, Puppy Dog Devotions, 75 Fun Fido Facts, Bible Truths, and more, as well as Dachshund Through the Snow. Here now from that conversation is Michelle Medlock-Adams. I have a really good friend, a writer friend named Wendy Hino-Lanier, who's my co-author on this Puppy Dog Devotions book. Iron Stream Media put this book out for us this year in June. And we, Wendy's as big a dog lover as I am. She has two rescues. You know, I've got one rescue plus my little dachshund. And we just have always loved dogs. We bonded over dogs and chocolate and, you know, the, and the fact I lived in Texas and she's still in Texas. But dog, I knew when I was getting ready to do this, I couldn't do this book without her. We loved the research. 
I, I'm from a family of veterinarians. I, I think if I'd been better at science, I might have been a veterinarian. But, <laughs> but God had other plans for me. But this, so what we did is we did the same thing. We took all, 75 different dog breeds, including a mixed breed. We have a mutt in there because lots of us have mixed breed dogs. Mm-hmm. And we talk about a characteristic on that specific breed, that particular breed. For instance, poodles. Well, when you think about poodles, oftentimes you think of a little froofy dog that, you know, some of the celebrities have dyed their, their fur pink and crazy things like that. But poodles are actually one of the smartest dogs breeds that's out there and they're also almost always the highest in agility they're great in agility competitions so that's not things you normally think about when you think of a little poofy cute little poodle with bows in its hair and you know their fur it's fur dye pink and so the, the lesson there was you know oftentimes we we make assumptions about people we make judgments about people that aren't true based on what we've heard but not about what's actually the facts and so it's a great lesson for not just children but for us to know don't judge a book by its cover or a dog by its fur this is not there's a lot more to this dog than meets the eye it's not just a pretty little dog it's the poodles are very smart and so that that's the kind of concept and then we have we have information about how many uh, AKC awards it's won if it's ever won at Westminster we have things about the actual the history of the breed how it got to the United States how long it's been recognized as a breed and then just some journaling prompts, scriptures, and a prayer. So we, it, it's really, I'm telling you, if you love dogs, even if you're not a child, you're going to like this book. I, I like this book. <laughs> it's just, it was fun to write. Well, we are now in late summer. And so, of course, talking about sports, you, yes. you know, you think about the, the fall of the year and yes. got college football. And, of mm-hmm. course, as an IU fan, Indiana basketball Amen. and college basketball behind <laughs> that. So a, a lot of things coming up here during the latter part of the year. But, of course, we recognize that December 25th, Christmas, <laughs> it is a wonderful season. In fact, I'd mentioned to you, I, I, you know, if we could find some way to get some <laughs> snow falling from the ceiling here, that would be great. I do have, and, and people that listen to me might catch that I will throw in some Christmas music at inopportune times. Yeah. So, Chris, <laughs> I, I, so I'm, I'm already planning when we talk about this next book. Yes. That, you know, warning, you're going to be hearing some Christmas music here very soon. <laughs> Note to self. So this is a Christmas book it we're going to be talking about as we shift. And I'm going to try to say that because it is a little bit of a play on words. So I'm <laughs> going to try to say it with the right inflection and emphasis or whatever. But it's called... No, I'm not going to sing it. Dachshund through the snow. (laughs) That (laughs) is correct. That is right. It's funny. A lot of people will pronounce it dash hound. Is that the German derivation? Yes, but we always call it, I mean, dachshund. I've had dachshund since I was born. I actually was born into a household that had a dachshund. I've never been without a dachshund in my life. But many people call it dash hound. So dash hound through the snow made sense. And it's just, this is just one of those books that I wanted to write for a long time, uh, over three years. And my agent said, I think I can sell this. But it's, it wasn't necessarily a Christian book. It was a book, a, a really nice Christmas story. But I, and, and I thought, okay, Lord, I want to put something in there that's going to be takeaway for the kids. You know, I'm not about at this point in my career just writing stories that are fun or they're going to sell. I want to write books that make an impact. That's why I'm. Mm. That's why I'm still in. Otherwise, I'll just go play with my grandkids and go fishing. Like you know, <laughs> I'll just quit. So it has to have an impact. And this particular story, boy, I just I love it so much. It's about a little dachshund named Crosby, uh, and he is the smallest dachshund in all of Diggityville. He's just known for his really tiny size. And dachshunds aren't very big anyway. But even for dachshund, this one was small. And so he, he wants to be known for more than just his size. He wants to be known for something else. And he's quite a gifted digger. Now, if you know anything about dachshunds in general, they are diggers. They will dig up your landscape. They are like, <laughs> they were bred in Germany to, to actually dig holes and go down into the, to, 
to fight badgers. That's what they did. So they, they're fearless. They're kind of stubborn, actually. They're determined, and they, they're diggers. So in this, in this my, my little picture book here, uh, he wants to enter, Crosby wants to enter the Animal Arctic Olympics. And there's a burrowing competition. He thinks he can really degrade it because he's a great digger. But when he gets in line to sign up, he's not even tall enough to reach the registration table. All the anim- other animals make fun of him, or make, and they bully him a little bit. And, you know, a lot of our kids suffer with some of that. So I thought, let's put this in here. And then I won't tell you how the whole story goes. You'll have to buy the book. But basically, Crosby ends up saving Santa and his reindeer and saving Christmas. Michelle Medlock-Adams here on The Intersection. You can find her online at michellemedlockadams.com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. And you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. There are also links to the Intersection, to the Media Center, as well as to the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter at Access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo near St. Louis. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Moving on now on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's illustrator Dave O'Connell and writer Dara Leonard who collaborated on a devotional coloring book entitled He Calls Me, Coloring Devotions for the Soul. They visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo to talk about the concept as well as some of the drawings and corresponding words that are included. Here now from that conversation are Dave O'Connell and Dara Lenner. Dave's work is just awesome. It is unbelievable. It moved me. I was very, very uh, inspired by looking at them. Uh, Dave had chosen certain scripture that went with each one of the uh, illustrations. Uh, And so I just sat and prayed over and it God calls us to write and to draw and that is one of the things that I felt very very uh, adamant about is the fact that there were certain messages that needed to be out there Dave had given me some ideas and we discussed and went back and forth and so the writing came relatively easy. We have a short devotion uh, on one of the pages next to the uh, art. And then while you are coloring it or painting it or penciling it in, whatever your desire for that is, there is a short meditation. So while you are working on the art, you can be meditating on God's Word and on the message that you should be receiving. And then there's a short prayer at the end as well. Awesome. Well, that is Dara Leonard, and she is joining me today along with Dave O'Connell. They have collaborated on this book 
which is entitled, He Calls Me, Coloring Devotions for the Soul. This is the Christian Product Expo Fall 2021 show in St. Louis. Well, something, and, and Dara, you brought this out very well, in, is that these are not completed drawings. Now, these are intricate drawings. They depict certain scenes, Dave, but it's it's something that you leave up to the reader yes. to actually color, and the reader can actually read the devotional book, can say the prayer. So there's there are a lot of different... I guess levels of interaction here, not only the written word on yes. the page, the the one-on-one -on -one communication with God through the prayer, but also there's the artistic element. And yes. that's something that's very unique. There are these drawings that God has inspired through you. What would you anticipate or based in uh, on your background in art, how does, say, coloring in a drawing such as the types of drawing that are drawings that are in this book how does that help someone to encounter god or grow closer to christ well well for example one of the drawings um is um he calls me and the title always finishes the the inside uh drawing so it says he calls me to trust him and this one it's a view of of uh, Jesus sleeping in the boat from God's view from heaven so as you're coloring uh, there's little messages within there and if you if you're spending time in meditating on the passage and the drawing you can see that the all Jesus's friends the disciples are looking outward at the tempest at the storm and not looking inward at Jesus in the boat and so the message is just to, uh, to help someone just be to find that uh, that inspiration that I had, similar to what I had, where there was a lot of uh, tears and uh, and uh, intimacy and, and and studying and and sketching and drawing these pictures that come to me because I I only read in small uh, things of Doses. scripture because yeah. if I go too fast, it's like me walking through an art gallery too fast. The pictures ah. and images come very fast, so I'm hoping the same kind of person who's creative or artistic would be inspired to walk closer to him through using their craft or their artistic ways you know and it seems like to me that an image and if someone is actually coloring using their pencils or, or crayons or whatever yes. they use to color this in it's it speaks to a person kind of based in their their context god yes. provides a message for yes. them based on his truth as you've depicted it yes. in these pictures. So there's, yes. a, there's a personal element of that, it seems yes. like. Yes, there is, yes. Daryl Leonard and Dave O'Connell here on The Intersection. You can find out more through the publisher's website at eabookspublishing.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's J.P. DeGance, president of Communio, and John Van Epp, founder of Love Thinks. In our conversation, they discuss the state of marriage in the church and how the church can influence culture regarding the sanctity of marriage relative to the book they have co-written called Endgame, The Church's Strategic Move to Save Faith and Family in America. Here now from that conversation are J.P. DeGance and John Van Epp. The state of faith in our country, and we get into this in the book, the, very, the vibrancy of faith is being entirely driven by this factor. So if you're listening to this, mm. And you wow. think maybe marriage isn't as 
big of a deal to you and there's other things on evangelization or youth outreach or just other work that you want to do uh, i i need to tell you uh, that you're focusing in in the wrong area that, that the reality is uh the faith as uh, belief in jesus christ is and that we unpack this in the data is entirely dependent in our society on the health and vitality of our marriages and our families. And, um, and sadly, the state of marriage and family is, is not good right now. Okay, so uh, 31, today there's 31% fewer people getting married every year than in the year 2000. And that excludes the most recent pandemic year, which was uh, itself a mm-hmm. historic low. Okay, so it's much worse than that. Uh, and it, we're 61% fewer people getting married every year uh, than in the year 1970. Women and children are principally the victims of this. Uh, f- just 46% of kids reach their 17th birthday with a married mom and dad. Uh, what we know is that has cascading effects on education, crime, poverty, but pastors need to understand and every churchman and every Christian needs to understand it is driving the flight from the pews and from the church. In the book, we unpack that a, a Christian, a, a millennial, with constantly married parents is just as likely to go to church, nearly just as likely to go to church as a baby boomer. If I know one thing about both people, if a 27 year old came from an intact married home and the 60 year old came from an intact married home, there's really fundamentally no difference in how frequently they go to church every week, which means the fall of the family, the the reduction of the number of kids raised in married homes is almost entirely responsible for the collapse of, of church participation and the rise of uh, of the religious nuns. Hmm. And, and interesting, John, when you think about the decline in the, the percentage of people in the population that are getting married, I hope I stated that right, but you're seeing a decline in the number of people or percentage of people getting married. So what do you attribute that to? Yeah, I really appreciate that, Bob. So let me give kind of a a macro view. So let's just step back and look at what's been happening since about 1960 to the present moment. So marriage historically was considered a package deal. And there were several relationship experiences that were coupled with marriage. So sex, even though sometimes you might have somebody have sex outside of marriage, right? But it was considered um, as a social Mm -hmm. norm to be coupled with marriage. And the same was true with life partnership and parenting. If you were gonna have children, it was gonna be within, coupled within the kind of structure of marriage. And if you were gonna have a life partnership, it was considered. In the 1960s, the decoupling effect of those three areas being coming decoupled from marriage began to grow. And they moved away from marriage and were started to be perceived socially as independent something you could do, and actually a personal right. I have the personal right to go out and have sex with somebody, and it, and it has nothing to do with commitment and definitely nothing to do with marriage. The same decoupling effect happened to then life partnerships. So cohabitation began increasing, and it increasingly, as you went from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s, research clearly shows that cohabitation increased as becoming more and more a kind of experience of partnership independent of not only marriage, but of commitment. We don't know what our commitment is. We haven't even defined or talked about our commitment, but 
we're having sex and we're spending every weekend together. So we moved in together, that type of experience. And then how many babies are born to unmarried moms began increasing dramatically so that the average now is 40% of all babies are born to unmarried moms. But if you look at specific races, you know, specific segments of our society, it can go up to 75% of all babies are born to unmarried moms. As that has happened, marriage became more and more minimized, even critiqued mm -hmm. or criticized, right? It even, you know, it's just a piece of paper. And in fact, just the opposite we know to be true, that marriage is actually what holds people together in that kind of a union and that kind of a commitment. John Van Epp and J.P. DeGantz here on The Intersection. You can learn more at lovethinks.com or through communio.org. Well, you are listening to The Intersection Podcast. We are nearing the conclusion of this week's edition. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. There you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests on the Intersection podcast. Also, there are links to the Intersection, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.